My name's Kendra Houseman from Out of the Shadows, and you're about to listen to a series of interviews that took place over nine months. I want to know what life would be like for a child that had been through domestic abuse, parental mental health, poverty, and exploitation, to name a few. What would happen if we created a team, an army almost, to support that child? 28 people were interviewed, all with the same question in mind. What could have been different for child B? You're about to listen to Blondie's People. So follow us on our journey where I will speak to everyone from George the Poet to some of my good friends as we discover what it takes to become one of Blondie's people. Within these episodes, you will find answers, you will find guidance, and most of all, you will find an insight to a world that many do not know. There's a trigger warning for some of these episodes, and some of them are not child-friendly. We're going to talk about things that are very, very raw and real. So kick back and get ready for a journey, a journey you will not forget. Welcome to Blondie's People. Hmm? What? <laughs> okay. My name's Kendra Houseman, and these interviews are for Blondie's People. People that I respect now, but people, if they'd been there for Blondie when she was younger, there would have been a difference. We've got somebody a bit special today. So who are you and what do you do? Well, hmm. <laughs> So funny, actually, that question is actually so interesting because if you'd asked me that, I guess maybe two, three years ago, I would have been like, I'm an ex-offender poet and I, I, I write poetry and I want to I wanna make a change and I want to help ex-offenders. Now, I'm just like, I'm a poet, I'm a facilitator, I'm an artist, I'm a performer, um, I'm a mentor, you know, I'm a businesswoman, you know, even though other people don't always recognize me as a businesswoman, I am a businesswoman. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, that's me, man. Like I'm everything, but I'm also an, an ex-offender who basically, I guess the ex-offender label is kind of what made me who I am. Not that I think the justice system for it, because right. I had to go through a lot <laughs> in order to get to where I am. But yeah, that's me. I'm just, just a loving person that wants to, I guess, create platforms and develop artists that come from my background because I don't think I had that opportunity when I first started out. I don't think that any, I didn't see anybody that represented me. So I had to basically be that person. I mean, usually I say it later on, but we'll do it now. And I explained to you earlier, the reason you're here is because now as, as an adult, I see what you're doing and I respect it because I think that giving people a platform to talk about their experiences through spoken word, through poetry is so powerful. Um, but as a young person, I was very interested. I used to write, not, not even lyrics, I just wrote stuff down about how I was feeling. I used to have this poem that I wrote called Family War and it was ongoing. I'd always add to it and add to it. But because I, I have dyslexia and because I was naughty, no one cared. So I remember trying to show this poem to a teacher once and they just looked at me and said, but have you done your homework? And I was like, ah, fuck it, like whatever. <laughs> so you're here because you represent the two. Because if I met you at 14 and I said to you, I want to write, I know that you would say to me, come write then. Let's go. Yeah. Really? I'd be like, let's go. Let's 100%. do it. So that's why you're here. So tell me, how did you first get interested in what you do in poetry and in, in writing? How did you first get interested in it? Honestly, it's kind of like what you were saying, just writing stuff down. I never believed I was a poet. I think the one time I wrote a poem back, was back in like, you know, in English, you have to write stuff and they made us write these little poems and we attached it to a balloon. That's the only reason I remember because I wrote I don't remember what I wrote, but I remember writing it in a heart shape. So the poem went all the way round in a heart shape and I attached it to the balloon and let it go. 
And I remember as I let it go, I was like, oh, I should have really taken a copy of that. <laughs> and that was the only time that I'd done poetry. But in prison, obviously I got sent to prison at 21 years old. And just like you saying, you know, writing down your emotions, I just wrote how I felt. I was angry. The, the first thing that made me realize I need to write everything down in prison was meals in prison. Okay. In prison, you get given a sheet of paper and it has all the available food that you can have tomorrow. And you have to tick the boxes and then that's your meal for tomorrow. Now, I did that and I remember thinking in Holloway, oh, it's nice of them to ask us what we want to eat. Didn't think, you know, it's prison, right? Um, and I've done it. And then I remember being called for medication. And by the time, medication's a long line. There's like people that's on methadone. There's people, that, every, everybody's there. So I remember being one of the last people to get my medication because I, I, I had, I remember people saying, yeah, people take meds from you if they see what you, like what you take and stuff. So I remember trying to be last because I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want no one to take my meds. So I went last, went to, finally went to get my meal and they're like, it's finished. And I said, I don't understand, but I ordered it. And then they were like, oh, it's run out. So the officer was there. And I remember her saying, what, what's the problem? And I was like, well, my food's not here. And she was like, well, Brenda, this is not a hotel. And I was like, a hotel? I was like, I'm not being funny here, but if I pay my good money to come and stay in a hotel and you got sent me here, I'll be asking for my money back. Written up straight away. Like, I just thought, how could I get in trouble for saying that? So I started writing these little notes like, that officer's rude, that girl wants to beat me up, that girl might want to take my stuff, but, you know, just little things. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, I really just thought, get it out, leave it on that piece of paper. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even read it back. It would just be like, get it out and close the book. And yeah. literally, those kind of pieces came together in, after I got out of prison, kind of going back and reflecting. Because when I got out, I was really angry even though I was free. And that's the funny thing. People are like, oh, but you're free. You should be happy. Like, no. When you're out, that's the beginning of your sentence. Everyone thinks that you go to prison and you do this sentence and that's it. No, the beginning of your sentence starts when you get out because that's when you realise everything you've lost, you've got a whole new identity, a whole new label, you know, and a label that people don't really want to work with. So I started writing again, but more angry, like, how could they do this to me? The justice system messed up. So angry. And I remember a few of my friends kind of, reading my book, they weren't meant to, just so you know. And I was very upset. And I'm like, Brenda, you write poetry. And I'm like, no, I write things down when people piss me off and you are pissing me off right now. <laughs> You're going in the book. <laughs> Brenda, Brenda, you need to, you need to just go and like share this. And then when I started volunteering with young people, cause I knew straight away when I was in prison, when I started doing prep for work and I read the whole title Youth Worker, I think for the first time, I saw it because before, like before prison, I was like, I want to do tourism. I wanted to fly and get away from this place and just yeah, yeah. get out there. But when I read youth work and the job description, I just thought, hold on, this is me. This is exactly what I need to do. And what more better way to talk to people that could possibly be looking at a prison sentence than me who has been to prison. And I remember I'd done a whole interview with um, the prep for work teacher and she sat there and said to me, I really wish this was a real job because all your answers are so on point. And she said, you, you really need to try and pick this up when you get out. She said, I know it's going to be hard because of your conviction, but I'm hoping that because of your conviction, people will be more willing to listen. Yeah. And I think that was the first person that listened to me. So when I got out and started volunteering, 
I was on tag um, and I was working with like young people 13 to about 18 years old I was only 21 so it was like it's like I still feel like the same age as them um, and I remember them saying we're gonna do a poetry workshop okay and I was like oh well, I'll help I'll help with a poetry workshop and I'm like yeah you can help facilitate just just help out so I sat down and instead of facilitating I was sitting there writing with the young people just sitting there writing and then they helped they told me to lead up my own workshop which basically meant um doing a six-week project with young people about conflict and understanding our communities and in that process um that's when I finally told people that I am an ex-offender um okay. and I'd been on tag and then they finally it all made sense when they listened to my poetry they were like oh now it makes sense so yeah my poetry came from probably the the painful the most painful time in my life which is now probably the strongest part of my life if that makes sense <laughs> absolutely I, I write blogs and um, a lot of my blogs are about current stuff but you every now and then one will pop up from my past and it's like therapy and there's one that, there's one that I wrote called uh, make her look younger and it's about um, my older dressing me up like a little girl to get heroin into, um, into a, a different area because nobody would search me. And when I wrote it down, I relived it. So it, first of all, it trauma, it, there was trauma. But then when I read it back, it empowers me now because I was a little girl. Like I'm reading it going, I've always blamed my, I've always been like, I'm so embarrassed of what, but when I read it, I read it out like your poetry. I'm reading what happened and what I felt. And people don't understand the power of putting words down, do they? Honestly, it, it really is. Sometimes I think I've done, in, I've done interviews where I've talked about my prison sentence and I've got really emotional and then it shocked me. It's like, why do you feel so emotional? Because I go on stage and I repeat these words over and yeah. over and over again at event and event and event. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Blah, blah, blah. But actually, like one, one lady, Siobhan, who's like my producer for all my prison stuff that I do, um, she works with Arts Admin. She actually said to me, do you know how vulnerable your words are like you tell us so much about you but then you come off the stage and you're like yeah that was great so how is it and, and she's like it's amazing to have that but I guess for me it's kind of one of those things where you have to think I went through that you know what I mean it's like for you to sit down and look at that blog at first even me when I was in jail I was angry at me I wasn't angry at anybody yeah, else yeah. I wasn't angry yeah. at the justice system I wasn't angry at my family. I was just angry at me. Yeah, like, yeah. Why? Even the poem that I was saying that I first put together, it was that. It was talking about, um, I think the title was Good Girl Gone Bad because I saw myself as a good girl and then that whole fight, the whole going to prison, all of a sudden I was like yeah. writing stuff like, what's wrong with you? You had a good life. You went to college. How could you do this yourself? You're disgusting. Like It was just hate, with hate towards myself. And then it was like, all of a sudden, when you read it all back, you think, oh, hold on a minute, Brenda. You're the one that went through this. Not, nobody else. You went through this. And you got yourself out of it. And it's so hard to think that people that go to prison, you have to go through all those emotions. You go through trauma. You have to go through all those emotions. And then you come out and somehow they just expect you to be fixed. Yes. It's all fixed now. That's it. It's very similar going through exploitation. I didn't go to prison. How I didn't go to prison is pure luck. There's not, there's no way around that. Um, I should have served prison sentence for true. Like anyone watching is a fed. Like don't come and get me. Like, get fed that. but for real, like I should have gone to prison. And um, when I come out of exploitation, when I started coming out of it, 
And then people expected me just to be normal. Like they expected me to just go on and be a normal person. I've seen things and heard things and done things that children and young people Mm -hmm. should not see. And it's like, and things that will traumatize me for the rest things. There's things I've seen and done. I'm sure that you're the same that will never come out my mouth. I might talk about stuff, but there's some stuff I'm never going to chat about. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like I've done an interview where it, it went so, it was going so deep. And then I said something. And as soon as I realized I said it, I went, you're going to need to say that at the interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't have that in the interview because I don't talk about certain things. It's like when I work with women and I see some of the stuff they've gone through, like I always think, oh my God, Brenda, like you've been through a lot. And it, I think it's seeing somebody else going through the things that you have gone through as well. And it makes you think, oh my God, that actually happened. Like It's like we build up a wall and we kind of think, okay, like I'm really good at like making like, things pretend that they didn't happen like oh that didn't happen and then there's like a trigger and you're like oh that did happen to me it's like a realization but I think that's why I can do what I'm doing because I realize it it hurts me but then it makes me think okay how do I get over this whereas a couple years ago that might not been the case like I say this all the time when they're like oh we haven't heard from you in a bit and I'm like you're lucky (laughs) because back in the day yeah. You would not hear from me. Social media, what? You'd come to my house. I will be in the house. The lights are off. I'm sitting there like in the dark. I'm hearing the door knocking. And I'm just like, that's me now. Away Do you understand? But now it's, be- and that's because I know myself. Like before I can get into deep depression. And if I get there, sometimes people are like, are you sure, Brenda? Do you want to just take a break? I'm like, a break? No, 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 no. I'll br- I have a break and I die. Okay. Let's just, no. <laughs> if I have a break, that's it. Everything is going to, nah. It's mad, right? Because what anyone watching this, I don't know if anyone's going to realise, we've never spoke before in our lives. This is the first conversation we've ever had. Yep. Anyone watching this that knows me, I'm thinking about my two best friends now, what you just said is me. My mum used to call it ghosting. I just disappear, yeah? My mum used to say, stop ghosting, Kendra, you'll, you'll end up alone. But in the past few years, I, I, I can feel myself ghosting. I can feel the light going off. And I go, no, no, no. Yep. Yep. It's mental how we both have used words to get... To, to get to know ourselves enough that we don't need to exclude the world anymore. Exactly. It's mental. It's crazy. It is crazy because it's a very, it's a very strong skill to have. Yeah, like yeah, some, yeah. People don't, some people can't do that. Some people have to go into a hole, but because we know when we go into a hole, how deep we go into that hole, oh, yes. coming out of that hole is going to be way harder than me just saying, okay, Brenda, just take an hour to yourself, breathe in, breathe out understand yourself you're not happy about this situation right 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 writing it down oh my god this is it i don't ever throw anything away anymore like i used to write stuff this is rubbish but actually i've got notes that i had in prison some of my poems are literally me writing i'm like oh i'm stuck what is it and i'll go through like my prison stuff i'm like oh perfect fits (laughs) yes there's blogs that I write that I'm not sure if I can put out and they're just on my computer from years ago that I've been writing the whole time so like you every now and then I read one I'm like now's the time now's Now's the time for that to go out okay tell me because a lot of um young people that we both work with and 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 experiences is around the criminal justice system so what's your experience if you want to talk about it around the criminal justice system how did you like get caught up in that so um, I got caught up in the criminal justice system. Um, I would have been 20, actually, when I first got arrested because I, I went to prison at 21. Um, so my older sister, I have an older sister. She's uh, about five years older than me. 
we went out to a club and she I wasn't really a club up right so I was like the chill with my friends in their houses and listen to music and smoke and do whatever that's the kind of, I'm like that person I wouldn't really be like let's go to a club because I kind of grew up as a tomboy so it took me a lot to finally get into like actually wearing girly stuff so she you know took me out we was going out we went out it was me her one of our other like distant cousins and I knew she had like an issue with some girls but I didn't understand the issue because they were her friends they'd been to my mum's house they dropped me home you know like it just didn't make any sense I didn't think it was anything serious um so I remember her saying to me she was going to say hi to I think it was a my mum's friend or somebody and as she walked over there I can see these girls who would have been older than me um kind of swaying like you know towards where she was and I remember just thinking hmm, it's a bit weird in it nothing and thought nothing of it and then I remember looking back again to see her walking towards me but as she walked towards me it was like these girls are now exactly in front of her so she had to kind of go through them and then they just attacked her like and I remember kind of standing there for a while like this is a nightclub surely someone's gonna someone's gonna come and because people yeah. know us in this nightclub, right? No one came. And I kid you not, all I remember is walking towards this girl, like, with, like I think at the time she had my sister's head or hair in her hand. And I didn't even fight her straight away. I kind of tried to tap her. Yeah, yeah. But it just weren't working. The tapping weren't working. This is three girls and then my sister. And I completely, I can't even say how I beat her up because I fully blacked out. Like, I fully blacked out beating up this girl. Um... And I remember someone pushing me off of her. Um, and I just remember seeing blood. I remember seeing loads of things. And I was like, oh my God, like at the time, I went to the toilet because everyone's like, you've got blood on you. Da, da, da. Everyone told me to run away. Like the police is coming. I'm like, only guilty people run. I'm not guilty. My sister was attacked. Like this, I can't be guilty for this. And they were like, no, you have to run. And I remember at someone trying to kind of take me through the back, the back door. Um, and then another security came and kind of dragged me in that she needs to go out in the front, she's got the front, the police is here. And I really didn't think that, you know, I just thought the police are going to listen, right? Because this is what happens, they need to hear my side. Um, and I just remember the I went outside, the policewoman was there. Um, she, she said, can I speak to you? We walked together away from the club. And then as we're talking, she then said, um, we're going to need a van back on a walkie-talkie. And I was like, wait, 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 what do you need a van for? And she was like, Brenda, I'm going to have to arrest you for GBH. And I said, GBH? Wow. I was like, no, 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 no. But, but my sister was attacked and she's like, I understand. I remember something along the lines of like, had we called the police when the attack first happened, then they would have had to arrest them because we oh. called the police. Okay. Because somebody else called the police, that's, it was a whole process. So I remember just thinking raw okay and I still at the time didn't think that it was that bad because I just thought self-defense right yeah. <laughs> um I was I was definitely wrong um I remember sitting in the police station and just walking up and down the cell like walking up and down the cell laying down seeing that what is it the words that say are you sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah. like and I remember reading that over and over again and I'm like I'm sick and tired of being in this cell like <laughs> and I honestly described, when they interviewed me, I described it exactly how it was. I think they wanted me to say that I was drunk, like I was really drunk. But I think if I had been really drunk, I don't think 
I personally think that I would have been in prison for a longer time had I been drunk because me and alcohol not great like I can only drink around good people if I'm angry and drunk it's not a good sight so I try to keep that limit yeah, yeah. Um, and at the time I weren't a drinker so I wouldn't have been drunk and they were like are you sure you wasn't drunk and I'm like I'd had a few glasses of champagne but I wasn't drunk. I remember exactly how it happened. I just don't remember how I beat her up, but I know I did. And I, I put my hands up. I never even said I didn't, you know. Um, and yeah, I remember coming home in the, the white t-shirt that you get from the prison cells and stuff and still not thinking it was that deep, you know. Um, when I finally saw my solicitor and they told me that I could be possibly looking at um, three to five years, that's when my life kind of changed, to be honest, because I didn't understand it. I really thought that there would be some kind of justice for me. Um, I remember being like sent to probation for like a pre-sentencing report. And Dan, I remember him, like he was lovely. He was such a nice guy. And what they do is they basically say, tell me about yourself. Okay. Tell me about yourself from childhood. <laughs> and I don't think I'd ever done that. Like, I mean, wow. I grew up in a house that we... We talk, but we don't talk about all these little things that bother us, you know, like children are not meant to be stressed out. How can you be stressed out your child? You don't, you don't get stressed. You don't get depression. Your, your kid, kids don't get depressed. Yeah. Um, but clearly we do. <laughs> and I, I think that, I think, I think I just vomited like, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, um, okay. He said, I'm, I'm going to suggest, um, that you get a suspended sentence. He said, I'm not sure if you understand some of the stuff that you've told me that's happened to you. And I'm not saying that there's a right time to commit crime, but had you been somebody that was gonna commit crime, from the age of 13, you would have probably started committing them. Okay. Said, and I, I wouldn't have been even been surprised had I met you at 13 and you said all the stuff that you're telling me now that you had committed a crime. I wouldn't be surprised. He said, however, you're an older person, so you tried really hard like to fight to get over certain things that has happened to you, and then this one thing has happened. I don't think you need to go to prison for this. I think that something needs to happen. Maybe we get you like some anger management courses and stuff. And he was very nice. And so at that time, I still thought I might get off, you know, um, but ideally, I, I had completely gone. So from going to court every like three months or so, it was like I started drinking heavily like I mean before I can drink and just be like okay I'm tipsy and I'll laugh and then stop mm. there was no more of that there was just drink 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 cuss everybody argue with everybody fight everybody because now I'm I've been told I'm just angry and I'm yes. aggressive and so I am now I'm aggressive and I'm angry and I think I remember thinking how come these girls don't have to go through anything and, and I, I mean they weren't even girls they were women yeah they were they were women um and I remember thinking how come they not have to go through anything I went through, <laughs> I'll be honest, and no, this, is, this is why I think people say, oh, but do you think the police was rude to you? And I said, no, the police actually that arrested me were very nice to me. Yep. They were very helpful and they were very shocked even to arrest me. Like even when they done the changeover to the next officers, they said, look, this is Brenda. She's here for violence, but look, she's not quite like, she's actually very nice. We've spoken to her the last couple of hours. She's a nice girl. Look after her, you know? But what happened between that time and going to call back and forth I was getting phone calls I was getting phone calls from these so-called girls that I had a fight with 
telling me I'm not allowed to go to certain areas, telling me that they're going to shoot me, telling me that if I go to these areas, things are going to happen to me, yeah. <laughs> which only made me more angrier. angrier. So I be- yeah, I became like so physically like I said, I'll go out at night time, just like literally angry. I was so angry. And I remember recording these girls and taking it to the police station and saying, look, I'm going to court for these girls that they said I beat up and I did, I owned up to it. But look, this is what they're saying to me. I said, could you not hear? They said, guns, shoot, boom. What, what else do you need to hear? Yeah. Oh, well, we can't really hear it properly. It's not like, we can't really understand the recording. I said, what else? If that was me, if right now, I'm, I've been arrested, yeah? If you recorded me on a phone call saying those words, I wouldn't be on bail no more. You would take me to jail straight away because you think I'm putting something. They're like, well, after your case is over, then maybe we can look into it. Nothing was ever done. No. I went to prison. Nothing's ever done. No. Do you think I'm going to go to prison, come out and be like, yeah, now I'm going to bring a case again? No. I've got to sort my life out. Oh, life, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that's how I ended up in it. And it's so funny because most of my friends that I knew would get arrested. And I used to be that person that they hate telling that they got arrested. I'd be like, again, no, nah, you man are taking a piss every time. No, nah, no, nah, you're enjoying it. You enjoy it. But friend, you don't understand. After you have a conviction, it is easy to have another one. Yeah. And I only found that out after because I come out, think three years later, got arrested, tagged. Two years after that, arrested, ah, fine. You know, I've had my three strikes. So for me, it's like, I can't have no more strikes. No. There's no, like, I don't, I can't afford to go to prison unless I'm going there to work. That's the only thing. And not as an officer, not not as an officer. But yeah, that's my story into the justice system. It's just been crazy. And it's mad because a lot of <coughs> young people and adults that get involved, it can happen just like that. Me, I was like, is that I am that 13 year old, the one that the uh, probation officer talking about. If they'd heard my story, I did get involved in crime of 13. But I've known people to get involved in one situation, be sent to prison, and it's affected their whole life and will go Definitely. on to affect the whole life. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think that, uh, two things, I don't think young people realise that when they're doing the stuff that they're doing. But I don't think that adults real, realise that sometimes we do stuff that is beyond our choice or beyond our, what we know what we're doing. You know, you can't just label somebody a criminal and, and just say that is who they are, but that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, because that is literally, I mean, I've, I've, I feel like I've been fighting for many years to prove to even my family that I am not that person, which is funny because to my family, before this conviction, I was the Brenda that everyone called on. I was yeah. the Brenda that takes her sisters to the first day of secondary school. I was the Brenda that you can rely on to wake up at eight o'clock and do something because she will be up. And then as soon as this convictions come, like because of my anger, because of everything, it's like, oh yeah, that's just Brenda. That's just Brenda. And then sometimes I think, it's interesting that you guys have known me before my conviction. Yeah, yeah. can't see that that was not me. No. Whereas I've got friends who know me after the conviction and they know the real me. It's really yeah. interesting, yeah. right? Because you think even the close people can judge you. So if, if I can't change the minds of those people, how am I going to change the minds of the people that really need to listen to the, that young person that really, really needs to be heard? Like, I hear you. Crazy. Uh, when, I talk, when I talk about Blondie, so when I talk, it's, it, um, I, I can talk about her now and I know who she is, but I used to talk about Blondie separate to me because I was ashamed of, of a lot of the stuff that she'd done and I'd also make excuses I'd be like yeah that's what happened then but it took me a long time to like almost embrace her yeah. you know, there's still people now that have known me my whole lives and they still use it against me 
there's still people that do the same thing. They go, ah, oh, but, and I can't say what they say, but they're like, oh, you know, and they yeah. have them that, that hold over. They don't, because I, yeah. I put my story out there. Like you, I took the power yeah. back. Yeah. But it's shocking. Yeah, it's shocking to people that have known us a long time, think they can use it against us. It's That's crazy. Hard. It's crazy. You would have been like, there would be the people going, actually, we should look at what Blondie's done. Like, look at where she come from. Like, she's come from that, and she's helping this and this and this person and making sure that other people don't go through that. Like, we could have gone differently. We could have become the people that are now in power of leading these gang members. Like, if, if I wanted to, I could have been fully involved in a gang. I could have been, I could have joined anyone. Like, especially when all these calls are coming talking about shooting me and stuff. Yeah. I could easily just be like, all right, cool. I'll just call my other friends and just see what they're saying. And if they're ready, we'll do this. Like, I could have gone left. Like, it could easily have happened. But actually, we took ourselves out of that. And that, that's the problem. Why should we be the ones to take ourselves out of it because if you think about it we're young we're young people there should be somebody there going actually hold on a minute this is wrong let's take that person out of this situation absolutely they weren't there <laughs> they it weren't was. there and it's anyone i've interviewed I and mean, even when i speak to like when i speak to paul mckenzie and we talk about it we're all saying the same thing like people need to respect the fact is that we got ourselves no one come and save me my son no. saved me, my child saved me, like no one yeah. come and saved me. And that's why, and that's why people I need to respect the fact that unless you've lived in the environment that we have and we yeah. can come from good backgrounds, we're still out on road. You don't, people don't realize how hard it is to go, no, I don't, I'm not gonna do that. It's gonna hard. That. Exactly, and when you think about me being somebody, I guess I had gone to college, I'd gone to uni, like when I was, when I was in prison and finally got to Downview, um, I applied for education, went to education, and um, sat down with a lady, and she looked at me, and she, she, she said, um, we ain't got nothing for you. Said, what do you mean? There's loads of courses. You've got loads of courses. She said, yeah, but they're all be you've done all of this. Like, she said, if we put you on a course, you've, you've got a national diploma. We, she said, everything that you've done, you're just going to be going backwards. She's yeah. like, I'm so sorry, but there is nothing. She said, unfortunately, you're quite smart for the people that we get with it. People that come here haven't gone to school really, and yeah. some of them didn't even finish school. They went to school and left or got excluded. And I'm like, okay, so what do I do then? Because at the end of the day, you sent me to prison to be rehabilitated, but yet you can't offer me anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, does that make sense? And I remember the woman just going, I mean, the best I can do for you is maybe help you apply for Open University and see if you can get it for when you get weekend release. And I did. Applied, got in. The only problem was that the um, enrollment date was a week before my rottle date. So I didn't get to do my course. <laughs> I remember calling the university from prison going, is there any way that I um, could maybe come in after the induction? And she was like, well, what do you mean? Why can't you come to the induction? Well, I'm not here at the moment. Like, I'm away and I won't be able. And she's like, well, where are you? And I was like, um, um. I'm in prison. <laughs> it went dead silent for like a good minute. I was like, hello? 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 She was like, um, um, you're in prison. I was like, yeah, but if, if I missed the induction, I could, my rottle starts, she doesn't even know what rottle is. I'm like, my rottle starts in a week. Like, I remember her just being so confused and I just went, I'll call you back. And I just put the phone down and thought, forget about it because what's the point what what am i going to explain to this woman like she's going to come off the phone and be like yeah. Yeah, that's what that just happened 
this girl's yeah. in prison. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah. that person's just going to think, was that a joke? Was that a prank? <laughs> how many other people are going through that? And you think about it, like, how many people are sitting there? The most, um, most young people I know that are convicted are highly intelligent. The ones that I work with, yeah? But they're stuck. You can do open university in prison, I know that. But there's yeah. usually there's something that's happening that means they can't. So there's, there's so many people that are just sitting there not being guided and don't know where to go, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Because there's nothing, they don't think, like, I spoke to somebody who's in a foreign national prison. And I remember saying to them, so have you thought about doing this course and that course and this course? And they were like, what course is that? And I went, what? They're in every prison. And he was like, no we ain't got that there so I went on a visit and I spoke to one of the officers like so do you offer and I'm like what's that okay. I was so confused yeah, yeah. but then I realized it's an immigration prison so they don't care about foreign nationals or whatever because they're thinking we're just going to deport them yeah, yeah they don't need to do a course course for what it doesn't matter like this person is actually he's got actually a British passport which is very interesting but it's just like me I went to immigration prison and nearly even got deported at the <laughs> Back to Africa. I'm like, I'm from South London. Yeah, I was in Africa. I left there a long time ago. I'm from Southeast. Can you not hear how I talk? Like, no, you were born in Kampala, Uganda, and that's where you'll go. You know, so if you think about it, there's foreign national prisons and then the British prisons. And then you think, if you're in a foreign national prison and you're British, you are going to come out, but you've lost a, a big chunk of time that you could have developed to get yourself back onto your feet. It's hard. So when you come out, whatever happened in between that, you've now led to the point where you've developed or you've created Unchained. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about this. Oh my God. This. Come, come, tell me. I swear, Unchained, it's actually interesting. So <clears throat> you pick yourself up, you get all proud, you're like, let me. I'm just like, let me. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's, it's incredible to know that I actually done it because ideally, I started to lose hope. Like I, I was just, I remember my friends kind of saying, God, Brenda, every time about the ex-offenders. And I'm like, but there has to be more people like me. I swear. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go back to prison. There has to be more. Because I've watched the news and they're like, another criminal has, da -da 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 -da. Another, more ex-offenders ex -offenders has risen. And I'm like, what the, what the, what, where, what are you doing for these people? What, hello, I'm here. Can you come and talk to me? Like, how come you don't put me on the telly and talk about what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I remember actually one of my good friends, Francis, sent me this like competition thing. And he was like, Brenda, look, you've been talking about this poetry thing you want to do. Here you go. I'm going to apply as well. He actually didn't apply. Um, but I remember for a long time when I was volunteering, I was like, I've got to do this project and I'll talk about it. And they would say to me, Put it in writing. I'm like, no. Look, I can just tell you how it goes. I can tell you how it's going to work. And they're like, no, no, no. You have to put it in writing so we can see the structure on paper. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> that I really didn't want to do it. Oh. So when I did the competition thing, I was like, crap, I have to put it in writing, didn't I? And then I remember that what they said to me. So I started putting it in writing. And it actually turned out to be some, I don't know, St. Giles and someone else. And they, it was, Design, de design a business or um, community idea that helps people with criminal convictions or helps prevent people from reoffending. And so you had to pitch it. You had to pitch this idea to, I think it was like Dragon's Den. There was about eight people. Nice. Um, I got to, I think, top 10. And then the top five was when you get the funding. 
So I didn't make top five. So okay. I didn't get the funding. And I remember them saying the idea was amazing, but it was maybe the funding won't be enough to complete it or whatever. Da, da, da. And I was like, okay, great. In, my, in the back of my head, I thought any money would have been great for me to at least start. But okay, I hear you. Um, and I kind of went downhill from there because I thought, oh, like, is this even, is there a point? Um, but because I had built the structure and had already put it all in like my head and put it out into the universe, I started to work on it just slowly with a group of friends. I'd invite them to the house and I'd be like, look, let's write some poetry. Let's have some discussions and write some stuff. So most of the times it will be about my prison experience. And they would always sit there like, you've been, you've been through a lot. Like, you, why are you so happy? Like, what? Like, I remember one of my friends is sitting there like rocking like, if I would, if that was me, I would like, they're like, why are you so happy? And I'm like, because I'm alive and I'm free and like, I need to do something. Like, I can't like, literally my friends would just sit there looking at me like, and then you really got deported? What, how are you happy? Like, it was always a question, like, how are you happy? And I'm like, look, it has to be done. So we would start writing. Eventually we became a little bit stronger. I had a boyfriend at the time that was like, he's gonna perform, he's gonna perform. But when I would go and watch people performing, I wouldn't think that I'd be like, I'm not performing. Like, they sound sick. They sound sick. And I always used to compare myself. So I was like, I'll go home and I'll be like, oh, why don't it sound like that person? Like, why don't I have those words? Like, and I don't think like like you, like when I when it comes to writing stuff, yeah. I always I don't think that it will people can read it. So I'm I always I, my spelling's a bit crazy or I, I write a bit backwards, like I write differently. And so I, that's why I'm a performance poet, not a written line. I perform it. I'll perform it for you. <laughs> you know, so I never used to feel comfortable because I thought, well, my vocabulary isn't as big as all these yeah. poets and oh, they're exactly. using all these yeah, yeah. crazy words. I, I don't have that. And I remember, I don't know who it was, but someone said to me, who do you want to listen to this? And I said, like, everybody, and especially people in prison and young people, and they were like, so do you think that prison, people in prison and young people are going to want to listen to some crazy long vocabulary words that they don't even understand? Or do you think that they want to know your story or your message? I remember thinking, oh, actually, I could just do it how I talk. People understand how I talk. And that's when I started doing it. So after that, I got all my people, my friends that used to come to the house. I bought them T-shirts. You know, um, I was like knocking on doors, like, talking to them. Hello, guys, email. Hi, my name is Brenda. Um, I'm, I do this and I do that, you know, and it, I would always get the email like, oh, it sounds very interesting. We're really busy at the moment. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh my God, like, why don't they want to know me? <laughs> you know, um, and then I remember when I was volunteering, I met Joel Taylor and I, I thought she was sick, but they had the, uh, my friend Jeremy at the time, well, he's my friend, but at the time he was volunteering and he, called me up and said Joel Taylor's coming in told all about it. you need to come in and help me volunteer today Ooh. and I was like okay I'll be there so I went to help and it was a poetry workshop um for it was like eight eight to eight to eleven year olds like it was beautiful and they wrote some oh. amazing um and then at the end <laughs> Joel came and spoke to me and I'm just like hi hello you know she was like so why have you not put on a one-woman show I was like um what what? <laughs> like, not I said, well, I have no followers. I don't even have, like, you know, I don't. It's... I was like, okay, thank you. And then she said, contact National Prison Radio. I said, what's that? She said, National Prison Radio? You've been to Joe, right? 
And I was like, yeah. <laughs> She's like, National Prison Radio. She told me what National Prison Radio is. And I was thinking, what? Was I in a different prison? Like, did they not have that? Like, what, what's going on? You know, how long has this been around? Why didn't I do it in prison? And I contacted them. And I remember for the longest time thinking, why haven't they contacted me again? Somebody else. Actually, National Prison Radio was the first company, organization to be like, we love you. Come in. Let's, we want to interview that. Like, And I was like, what? Because I remember I called them up like, I, I was wondering, did you, did you get my email? And I was like, who's that? And I said, Brenda. And it was about Unchained. And, and she was like, the woman was like, hold on. You haven't got the email from us yet. I was like, no, let me, I'll hang up and check. She said, no, don't hang up. Stay on the phone. Check now. I'll resend it otherwise. <laughs> and I literally got it. And it was like, <gasps> and that was basically the beginning of me actually being Unchained. And what they'd forget I used to obviously people know me as Brenda but my, my my artist name is Lady Unchained I got that at my first interview on National Prison Radio from Hillary and Clinton who interviewed me that was the first idea that I thought wait these two people interviewing me are also ex-offenders they're Not hosting this like they've been doing years I'm an ex-offender I could maybe do something like this and when I performed Track Queen um for them which actually they put me on the spot because they were like oh what have you got and I, I sent them all this stuff so I thought they were just gonna play it and they went so lady uh, lady and Brenda can you and I was like pardon right now right this minute they're like yeah yeah and I performed it and they were just like whoa um so lady unchained and I was like I like that name I like that and so for a long time it became lady unchained I had my unchained birthday like that year I had an unchained birthday all my artists were getting a bit more like oh this is we're getting somewhere now all my artists weren't ex-offenders though they were just friends that had been through their own struggle and we kind of used unchained in a different way but one by one they started to go and do other things and like it was a point where you know I had this whatsapp group and people be like oh I can't do this and I'll set up meetings and no one's showing up I set up writing shops working shops and they won't come and eventually I <laughs> I kind of shut the group down. I just messaged the group and I said, I love you all. You are my friends, but this is my baby. Yeah, yeah. And it's growing and I need to feed it. Um, and I can't do that when I'm constantly getting angry at you guys. I want to have friends with you. I want to be friends with you. I don't want us to fall out because of this. No. So thank you so much for supporting me. But whenever you guys are ready, do come back, you know, and let's go. And that was it. After that, I went on a whole journey on my own until I had a meeting with arts admin and they're like, yep, we can do an event. I'd done my first event when I turned 30 on my birthday. That was, I think, the moment when Lady Unchained fully took lead because before that, my birthdays were, let's go out, let's get drunk, oh, it's my birthday. This birthday, I had to put on a whole event. It was a free event, it was in the O2. I paid money to have that. You know, it, it was just a moment to show people that Unchained's here, but after that it then became that's when people started to recognize what unchained yeah, yeah. was you know i met siobhan siobhan's like so you want to do another event we well, can have it here and i was like okay so how much should i have to pay for that she's like hey so no no you can have this space for free i was pardon excuse me for free you know when you start to think because i'm from ends in it so i'm like nothing for free bro nothing for free. <laughs> nothing, like something's coming you know when you start looking around like um and she's like, no, 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 you can, no, 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 you can have this. 
and literally through arts admin i start they helped me advertise i got um tech my first artist all my artists now are ex-offenders tech came with his friend um s who was only meant to be and he was meant to do an open mic slot but one of my artists dropped out last minute and he took that space and funny enough those two boys have been my main two artists from day dot and i remember the first event that they done i said to them i would really love these are men right i would really love after you perform just stay on stage just two minutes just two minutes just so we could do a quick q a and they were like nah. no for no everything is in my bars if they didn't listen that's their problem like man's not standing on stage and talking to people no 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 we don't do that but no, i respect you i respect you thank you yeah but no no Right now, I can put these guys, I can leave them at an event and I know they're going to be talking for days. Yes. And I'm like, they're like, we can see Lady Young Chase telling us to get off the mic, but uh, just one more thing, just one more thing. Like, I love them. <laughs> because never in my, like, in my whole journey, I was like, I need to find artists that want to do this, that want to prove that there's life after prison, that want to talk about their conviction in a different way. Not that, oh yeah, man's a bad man in it, went jail, da 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 da. No. There's some realness that happens in jail. And if you don't, if you miss it, then you're gonna come out and write bars like that. But when you come, when you see that realness in jail, you will come out and be like, nah, brother. <laughs> no, 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 you don't want to go uh-huh. there. You don't want to go there. Do you understand? So now they're the kind of guys that, you know, I've taken them to events at the House of Lords. And I remember saying to them, You're coming to the House of Lords. And they were like, What do you mean? What's happened there? What's going on? And I said, look, all I need you to do is wear trousers and a shirt. If you have a tie, it'll be great, but a shirt is fine. They're like, oh, Brenda, man. Man, you got new sh-. I said, listen, you see how you dress to go cool? Wear that, but with the <laughs> AU knowing that you're coming back. And they were busting up. They were like, and I swear to you, that is one of my favorite pictures of me and them just standing up in my dress and them in their shirts. And they just look so happy because they're like, man's in the house of lords. <laughs> Never would they have believed, and they said it to me like Brenda. I don't think that I I would go to jail, write these bars, and be able to perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, because I didn't think I can do it, but I can make sure there was a platform for us, and there's more people coming. So now when new people come, they're like, so yeah, we'll we'll break it down for you. Yeah, this is Lady Unchained. She's she's a G. Sometimes she might just call at you randomly. Don't worry. <laughs> don't talk to her like she's an officer and that because she's not that person. Like it has been a growth of picking up that phone. And then them calling me because I know they will text me first. And I know they want to talk to me, but it's that initial kind of contact. So I remember I'd call them. I'm like, they're talking. They're like, hi. Yeah, um, I do write stuff. So-. I'm like, why are you talking like that? They're like, what? Like, why are you talking like that? I know you don't talk like that. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, just so you know, you know I'm not a probation officer. I'm just literally like, you. I went to jail. Like, they're like, what? Sweat, uh, down. Like, and then the, the icebreaker, quick, done. Like, now we, we talk on the phone, like, I'm like, listen, sorry, I, I, need, to go, I need to go to the bathroom. I'll call you back, I'll call you back. Then I can't say no more. <laughs> but it's, it's for us to have that platform. And I say it's all of them. This is not my platform. This is my pla- the platform for all of us. For anybody that's coming out of jail, anybody that even, I don't even care if you haven't been to jail. If you've been through the criminal justice system in any type of way, whether you were on probation, being on probation ain't easy. Not Being easy. on license ain't easy. Being on tag ain't easy. There is things that are going to happen. Any story that you have to tell to be able to come up and talk about it and just, I guess it's giving people a different light of an image of what ex-offenders look like because usually 
all you hear is that we enjoy prison. We like prison. We are never going to change. Yeah. Actually, this is a man standing here telling you what the crimes he'd done, why he'd done them, and actually how they made him feel. Because I think that people assume that everyone that's gone to jail is just that we don't care. Yeah. You know, we commit these crimes because we don't care. We don't want to change. Actually, there is so much more to us. And if you, if you only give us the chance, if you just listen, just listen to us, just once, just once, you'll be like, oh, maybe they're not all the same, you know? <laughs> it, it, you know it's mental because um, my whole theory of doing all of this is to show people that girls, girls aren't victims, we are survivors. Like the things mm -hmm. that girls go through, stop thinking that we're going to be beaten down, whatever we've gone through. Mm -hmm. As a female, this whole thing is to show that we can achieve. Yeah. Oh, did you have you realized that you've become the, the adult that you needed as a child like bro like, i don't know if you've like, like you're talking you've become the person that you needed i swear to you some i think this is why i don't have that many friends or don't talk to certain people yeah 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 because i know that there's certain parts of me that if you push me too too hard if you poke me too too hard you know, I can switch at you and I might not attack you or fight you violently, but I can switch at you. And I've got people around like in my life or used to be in my life that know these things about me. Yeah. And instead of kind of helping me get away from that, they'll put me in situations that you already know what the outcome's going to be. Yes. You understand? You know, the yes. so I, have to, I have to avoid you. And if I have to lock you off, I'm sorry, it has to be done because yeah. I worked too hard to oh. have that image like the way I've built it to have one day where you already know that I'm going to act like that, but you helped put me in this situation. I can't, it has a lock off. It's mad, right? I, like I said, this is the first time we've spoken. I feel like you're inside my head, but then I realise it isn't my head. There's a whole lot of us. There's a whole <laughs> lot of us that we've come this far and you ain't going to have some, somebody take us back there. Nah, and nah. we know what we're about. We know what we're about. We know what we've done. But we know where we're going to. Exactly, exactly. And some people, and that worries people. That some people are scared of that because, you know, as people like coming from the background they're coming from, people don't expect us to do well. People don't expect us. So when, you know, even close people, and I, I would say even friends. Yeah, yeah. They think, oh, but, yeah, but Blondie went through this. How is she, how is she doing all these things? Like, yeah, yeah. No, surely she ain't all right. No, she's not all right. And it's, it's a bit of jealousy because they might have not gone through what you've gone through. But they're still struggling. Yeah. They're still in a place where they haven't even addressed their own mind, their own heart. What do they want in life? They haven't addressed that. Right. We've been forced to make that happen quicker. Look at ourselves. We've been through lockdown already. Like we've been in through lockdown in our heads. In like, our heads. In yeah. our heads. But some people are still locked out in their heads. Yeah. They so they're just walking around reckless, like, yeah, but I know a lot of things and I have an office job and I'm great. Actually, when you go home, you know what really happens. You know what you're going through. But unfortunately, you don't want the rest of the world to know that. It's that when you come out of jail and you think, I don't ever want to talk about prison. Yeah. I don't want to ever talk about it. No. But what happens is during that time of you trying to find yourself, there's going to be little triggers that remind you of prison. Yeah. And because you didn't want to talk about it, you didn't want to deal with it, it's going to drag you back back until you can't get out of that and then all of a sudden you're like oh I went to jail I went to it's a it's hard yeah yeah I go to therapy and I had to go to therapy because if I don't I, I honestly I went to my therapist and I said tell me tell me I'm bipolar in I I am I'm bipolar in I and she's like Brenda and I'm like no 
come on, Carol, you can be honest with me. You know, I'm honest with you. You can be honest with me. I'm bipolar and I. And she went, friend, you think about some things sometimes and you do tell me. But see, if you were bipolar, you wouldn't, you'd be telling me after the fact. Yeah. So you think about it and you're like, oh, that was a bit crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was you wouldn't. She said, I'm not going to lie. You have a few strands of where it's a bit, but I wouldn't strong, I wouldn't diagnose you with it. And I was like, man, I was hoping you did so I can have an excuse for being mad. Like, <laughs> you know, my mum, my mum, right? My mum comes from words of wisdom, but the one that stuck, my mum said, if you think you're going mad, you can't be going mad because you wouldn't know if you were going mad. I got your mum. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I got it literally with my mum. It's, it's like my mother, like, you know, I think the whole time I was going back and forth, going to court, coming out of jail, it's only been recently that my mum, you know, I've done an interview with her at National Prison Radio about like how dealing with a child in prison. And that was the first time me and my mum actually spoke about okay. me being in jail and how, she, how it affected her. Of course I knew it affected her, but I never knew certain things. She would never talk to me about it because I guess also I'm African. You know, we don't really talk about certain things, we just kind of leave it there. Um, but she actually said something that it really, I was happy because for a long time after Joel and before Joel, like my mum used to, she said that she used to get phone calls from me at certain times and she'd always look at the phone and straight away think, what's wrong with Brenda? Like she'll be worried okay. before she picks up the phone. And in the interview, she said it's been... I think this is, I've done an interview about two years ago and she said it's been about for the last three or four years when Unchained started to become bigger, when I basically built Unchained, she said that's when she started to see me again. I like and, that. And that's crazy because when I built Unchained and became Lady Unchained, it was, Lady Unchained was my saviour. She yeah, was yeah, the yeah. one that didn't go to prison. She was the one that came out of the prison. She came, yeah. rose from the ashes and just defended Brenda, whereas Brenda was still a bit shaky. She was still a bit questioning how she went to jail and still a bit emotional. So lady, when it's so you know when you're talking about two different people, I think that yeah. that was like me. Like when I go out, I'm like Lady Unchained, Lady Unchained. When I come home, I'm Brenda, and I'm like, oh my god, my house, oh my god, this, oh, I haven't got no money. But Lady Unchained's like, yes, thank you, thank you. Oh yeah, I perform for you now. This is road to victory, you know. And I'm I'm this whole different person. But you have it's like. When you go through certain things, you do have to build yourself in different ways yeah. to understand yourself. It's that thing when you talk about looking yeah. yourself in a mirror. You know, it's hard. If you're not comfortable in your skin, it's hard. But when you can find look at yourself in a mirror and say, well, actually, this is who I am. And I'm going to do this because of this. That's, that is strong. That's being some strong individual because most people don't get through that. No, I've come full circle. So, so Blondie, everything happened to Blondie. And then I turned into Kendra because I was, I was always Blondie. And what I've not realised, actually, as we say this now, I'm, I'm not emotional. I don't really get like that, but I'm like, boom. Like, when, now, I'm both people. Yeah. I can be Kendra and Blondie, depending on what needs to come out of that. And I think that through these interviews, the two are merging. It's like I've gone, I'm doing my own therapy. <laughs> I don't need to be ashamed of her because she made me who I was and, and boom and I want to present I want to show her to the world I'm not ashamed of her anymore and, and I think it's that's it's mad talking to you about it because it's like okay last question if a parent or someone or if somebody who's got a loved one who's going through the prison sentence and they're about to come out 
is there life after prison? Is where can they get help? Where can they get support? Because I've got I've got some very good friends who, whose children are coming out of prison. Yeah. So what what is there life after prison? You know what? There is definitely life after prison. There is definitely life after prison. I'm living proof of it. Yeah. Um, but the the truth is, it's not easy. It's not a straight road. No. At all. And I even said this yesterday. I had uh, had another interview, and I, the same thing that I would have give to a person coming out of jail. The patience that you had to force yourself to have in prison times that by three when you get out. And that's okay. for the person coming out and the families. What I would say to the families is this. There's, it depends what kind of family you are. Of course, you haven't seen your loved one for a long time. You have to think about what that person wants as well. You're going to want to spend time with them. You're going to want to go out. You're going to be around them, whatever. Take time. Yeah. If they had problems with drinking, don't be coming to their house with alcohol. Don't be meeting them at the gate with bottles. Do you understand? Because that person has to go to probation. They have meetings to meet. If they don't make their meetings, it's straight recall. Yeah. Like, so you need to make sure that if you really care for that person, understand exactly what their license conditions are. Because the license conditions are the biggest thing that get people sent back or in trouble. Okay. If you miss an appointment, you know, like if your mother, make a list of all your child's appointments. If you can, put alarms on. So just just so that they have, make sure that person has a phone, you know, that they can access phone calls. If they can't make an appointment, don't ring 10 minutes before. No. Ring way in advance and just say, look, I'm at another meeting. This is, this has happened. Explain it because probation, you can talk to probation. And I, I know you can talk to probation, but you have to be honest with them. Some of them are not as great as the others, but there are some good probation officers, that, especially yeah. ones that have come through the criminal justice system themselves, there's a lot of ex-offender probation officers now, you know, you know, we won't call them ex-offender probation officers because they are probation officers, but they understand it. So support, understand what their conditions are. There is life after prison, get creative, you know, sit down with them every, every, maybe once a week, just meet up with them and say, let's, let's talk. Just let them talk because for somebody that's come out of jail, I don't, okay. For somebody that come out of jail a week, can be a very complicated week yeah. like every day is a struggle but if you think about a week you come out on monday you're gassed everything's like yes everyone's free you go to probation all your friends are coming to see you tuesday all your friends have gone sitting in this house in this hostel you're on your own again like you're like how you was in jail that's the moment where you can break do you understand you have a little bad day wednesday you're back to happy everyone's back everyone's okay you know everything's back to normal all you need to do is, as a family member, as a loved one, as a partner, just be consistent in what you do with them. Okay. Check in. Because if you don't call on the, the Thursday, and the Thursday is the day that they're the lowest, the person that might call them might be the wrong person. Yeah. I've made mistakes of picking up the phone and going out with certain people when I knew I shouldn't be out. Yeah. It got to the point where I remember even saying to this particular person, let's meet in a public place because I wanted to be somewhere public so that I can go home, so that yeah. they can go home. But unfortunately, it didn't end like that and I ended up arrested that night, Do you know? So make sure you check in because if other people are checking in on them, that's the people that they're gonna like go stir to and that person might be the same person that either got them in a situation to start with yeah. or will get them in another situation. Because once you have a conviction, <laughs> certain people just think that you're on it. Like, yeah. the amount of people that used to come up to me like, yeah, but Brenda, like, been to you already, man. Like, you're a bad girl, but you got... I said, no, 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 I'm not a bad girl. 
no, 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 no. I'm not a bad girl because I went to jail. I'm weak. Let me tell you something. I'm weak. Like, even in prison, people will tell you Brenna was a softie. Yeah. Why? I'm a softie because I said I'll never do another sentence. If I'm a softie, yes. let it be that. I'd rather that. But yeah, just support, patience, patience, and patience again. And check-ins. And if you want, holler at Lady Unchained. Let's do some writing. It's going to be everywhere. Your, your website, everything, is going to be all over this. Yes, yeah. I'm sure many people have said this to you, but um, so as, as Kendra to, to, to Brenda, like, I'm proud of, of your journey and everything you've done. But as Blondie uh, to Lady Unchained, like, you're kidding this. Like, big up, like, thank my you. goodness. Yeah, thank you. Listen, I've actually, you know what? I actually missed you at an event I think we both was at. Was we both at this event? And I think we just missed each other. Because I remember seeing your name and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to finally meet her. Yeah, I'm I like, found you, definitely, yeah. So we literally... It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> Listen, I'm gassed and I'm so grateful that you invited me to have this conversation. I'm ready to just make stuff happen. Yeah, like, yeah. I think people just need to listen a little bit more to us. Just a little. Just... I don't think people have heard the end of this little friendship that's just... Oh, no, 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 no. This, this is the beginning. <laughs> just say, just say to everybody... You are now experiencing your witnessing some history in the making. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Unchained, say goodbye to everyone for me. Goodbye, guys. Take care. Peace and love, people. I love it. Right, let me stop.